Hello, friends. Let's see what the audio is like. Yeah. Wait one second. Oh, gosh. Always audio issues. Okay, here we are. That's much better. It is Monday night. I usually get the podcast out Monday mornings. So today, it's a little bit late. I just, I recorded, I think it was on Friday or, yeah, it was Friday. I recorded the podcast and I didn't like how it turned out. And I didn't, yeah, so I was just like, I'll do it another day. And it just wasn't working out. I wasn't having, it wasn't good. I didn't have topics to talk about. I wasn't feeling motivated. So I didn't want to put out uh, a podcast that lacked quality. So just like, I'll do it when I'm inspired, when I feel like uh, I have something to say. Uh, if you're watching it on video, uh, this everything's a mess. And eventually this is going to become a better podcast with quality. But we're a work in progress. This is the 30th episode. So that's that's good. We're getting there. I'm just adjusting the, the camera. All right. We'll work with that. I'm not even centered in the picture. Ay, ay, ay. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, first things first, the new year... Uh, I don't. I guess if you've listened to a podcast, I've alluded to the fact that I am a, a Christian minister and I am involved in Bible fellowships here in Montreal. And uh, this year, I did. Well, I am in the process of reading the Bible from cover to cover, so to speak. Not in that order, because the or, the things uh, written in the Bible it's not in chronological order. And sometimes it's difficult if you try to attempt to read it from Genesis to Revelations. Uh, it's definitely available to do do so, but it depends, you know. It, it's a little bit challenging when you get through sections that are a little bit more tough tough to read, let's say. And you don't have the, con- the, the, the context or the overarching, uh, yeah, the overarching idea of what's going on. So I found online this like 52-week Bible reading plan, and I've been doing that. I've been pretty faithful. There's been some days where I've uh, not read what was on the reading plan and I had to catch up. But uh, I've, I found it profitable, especially for myself as a Christian. Uh, most of the, the sections, I haven't really encountered a section. Well, that's not true. I yeah most of the sections like the overarching stories I've heard before but for some reason when you put yourself in the in the mode what's the word I always I never know what words are when you put yourself in the mindset of a deliberate plan of action sometimes you receive more so I've been really uh, I've been really getting blessed from doing that Uh, Overall, I'd say we're 25 days in. One of the things that's really been pressed upon me is the idea of what God can do do for you or for his people as you believe the word and you act upon it. Not just like saying you believe it, but you actually live according to that word. Uh, because in Joshua, you see so many great things that uh, God did for Joshua and the people of Israel. And if he could do that for them, there's there's way more that he can do for us in the New Testament and the Grace Administration. 
So it's really encouraging to read those things. And uh, that's what I've been really getting out of it. But um, if you want to hear, well, if you want to know more about that, you can hit me up. You know me, know where to find me on my socials, How Randy Feels Podcast, that sort of thing, at How Randy Feels Podcast, and we can talk about that further. But I've been really getting, uh, getting a lot out of doing that this year. But, you know, I live a balanced life. I also indulge in The Bachelor, which I just finished watching. I watch a lot of uh, interesting television shows and, uh, but yeah, this year has been interesting. Our work has been also rather busy. Usually, well, to be fair at the beginning of the semester, uh, because I work at a university at the beginning of the semester is usually, is usually where I, I have the bulk of my work. And then I'd say near the end of the semester is where things start to, start to slow down a bit. But this this year I've been having way more responsibilities than usual. And a bunch of new things keep popping up. So it's been really busy. So it's good the day goes by fast. But um, I, I'm wondering, because there's a lot of people working from home, working remotely, how long the excuse we're in a pandemic works, you know? Because there are certain things with my job that I feel is not... There's some things I'm doing better because I'm working from home. But then there's other areas where I think working the office and uh, using using maybe some of the infrastructure that I have there would help. Does that make any sense? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, it's definitely different being in a remote environment, especially in education. I know there's a lot of people who work in that, in that field and, you know, teachers have had to adjust from doing their study plans and teaching online and stuff. But, uh, at this point for a lot of teachers, for a lot of people who have been working from home, you've almost been working from home for about a year. So... It's like at this point, I think we should be getting getting it done. Like we should be figuring it out. But then at the same time, once we get it all sorted out, I guess, hopefully it should be over. Just right right when you get into the rhythm of how, of how things are supposed to be done, then uh, I, I don't know. That's not fair to say because we don't know when things will go back to being able to work at our offices and stuff like that. But I guess overall, my point is, how long can we keep on saying if things are not going as smoothly as possible in your workspace? Are you able to use the pandemic as, oh, you know, due to the effects of the pandemic and working remotely, these services aren't um, being done the same way. So we're having to adapt. I guess it depends what, uh, what your industry is. For me, one of my main obstacles I find, though, is the fact that I'm using my personal computer. I can ask to go to the office and use the office computer, but I'm not, I'm not even sold that it will make a difference. The My thing is I have an old computer. I got this computer 20... 20 I want to say 20, 2015. Yeah, it must have been 2015 because I graduated 
from University 2013 and I had a really bad, not really bad computer, but a really old HP. And then I moved away from home that, yeah, so I want to say it was actually, yeah, 2014 when I got this computer. It's good as a personal computer, but there's a lot of things when you're connected to a VPN, etc., that uh, make it a lot slower to do like work stuff. So I've had to learn to adjust that. What I've done is like there's certain things I do on my phone, like Microsoft Teams seems to be like too, like it takes up. I don't know if it just is always running in the background and it takes up so much uh, brain power of the computer. So I was like, forget it. I'm just going to do all my Microsoft Teams things on my phone uh, to free that up. This is getting too work related, but it just, I just, I, I just need a new computer is basically what I'm getting at. I'm going to, I think computers, what's a good, well, this is an HP computer that I'm using. And I've had it for seven years, going on seven years. So I don't know what the, the life expectancy is supposed to be for computers, but I think I'm nearing the end of that. I was on um, I was on TikTok and I saw something that bothered me. I'm doing a little bit better at not engaging with people on the internet. That was one of my unofficial New Year's resolutions, but there's one thing that I didn't engage with it, but I remember seeing and I was like, this is such a horrendous take. What I saw was someone on TikTok making the argument that is problematic that a lot of storylines and especially animated narratives where a group of people are oppressed, within that narrative, they always give the oppressors a logical reason for uh, oppressing the whatever the marginalized group is in that story, in that movie, etc. So that was their argument that in, especially in animation, you see it a lot where there's a group of people or a group of things being oppressed. The oppressor is always given a logical reason to oppress them. I get where they're going, but I think it's just uh, when one of those takes where people are trying to be smart, but they com- completely miss like what is really happening. And I say that for two reasons. First reason, in if you're writing anything, writing a story, yeah, writing a story, a movie, TV show, whatever, your characters, unless if you just want to make them just drastically evil, your characters need to have a motive and have reasonings towards what they're doing. So if you're just making any type of story, whether it's a character or a group of people, they need to have a logical motive, a a logical reason uh, in order for that story to be compelling at all. So even just in terms of telling a story, there needs to be a logical reason for basically every scene that you set up. Uh, for the w- There needs to be a logical reason, I find, for why characters speak a certain way. So if you're just talking about the structure of storytelling, it wouldn't make sense, even if you do have a group of people, whether it's aliens, whatever it is, a group of things being oppressed, unless if you don't want to at all... Uh, uh, flesh out storylines or 
make interesting characters from the other side, they need to have some sort of reason. Because we're watching it as the viewer from the position of kind of like, usually like, I, I guess they call it the omniscient narrator, where you see everything. You're not usually, I wouldn't say usually, you're often not only seeing the the world through one character. It, you You tend to see it through multiple characters. So if you get into that perspective of the character, unless that character is evil and knows that they're evil and you're watching them enjoy being evil towards the people, which is a possibility, unless that's the case, they need to have a logical reason for being evil. So that's the first part of it that I would push back on. Second part of it is, well, it's true. Even the most people who are, unless you're like the elite top of the the evil pile and you're basically devilish, a lot of people who are oppressors or who are doing bad things don't know they're the bad guys. They feel like they're the good guys. For example, not to, I, I hate to get things political, but what, what what's the expression? It's like one, one, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. So, Depending where you're looking at it, people who are even oppressing people, they, in their mind, have some sort of rationalization of why what they're doing is just. And I think even when you look at uh, things like civil rights movements and uh, really positive things, they were able to speak towards Unless if it was a violent revolution, which sometimes is needed, but even but when they would speak towards their oppressor or something, they would have to know how to communicate in a way that was compelling to that um, majority group. For example, if it was like if that group was religious, they were able to uh, speak towards their their religion, like within the concepts of your religion what you're doing to us is unjust and we're able to talk to them on those on that playing field so basically what i'm getting at is whether again this i don't want to get too dark here but whether you're talking about even like slavery colonization um nazis whatever people who are implicit in that action from their point of view had whether they were given false information or whatever it was in their eyes, in their shoes, they had some reason and they had a justification for it. And then usually if you're trying to be, uh, to overcome that, you need to understand what was their reason, what in their mind was their justification for their actions so that you can counter it. And uh, so that's kind of why I really took a, a pro took issue with that. And then also just in the realm of art, sometimes can we can we just enjoy, enjoy art for what it is and not necessarily in some cases we might want to extrapolate it and make it a bigger social examination but in other times it's hey this is just for the artistic expression you don't have to always think that deep into it it's kind of like the old thing where you're in english class and the teacher asks you why are the curtains blue 
And you, you know, your average person is like, we're thinking too deep into it. I think now for some reason, societally, when we look at art, we're always almost uh, thinking too deep into it. That's, I don't know. You, you can agree with me. You can disagree with me. It was just, uh, I found that really ridiculous to, to paint to paint because they're talking about mainly animation that does that. I, I just didn't think it was a good take. If someone else has a, a more consistent and eloquent explanation, I would love to hear it. I would love to hear it. I, uh, I think this podcast has been helping me in terms of my speaking ability and articulating ideas, even though a lot of times it's, I can't find the words. <laughs> But I think also it's weird because when I do stand up and I have a bit, what I do is I look at it from a variety of different angles and I kind of like flesh it out, so to, so to speak. But when I'm ready to present it, I make it concise. I make it like, let's go from A to B to C to D. But for some reason, I've been finding recently, like within the last year or two, I've been having difficulty expressing myself coherently in conversation. And I think my problem has, I don't know, my problem, and I, I, I was just about to do it. My problem is I've somehow now have difficulty from going A to A to B when I'm explaining things to people. For instance... Even with, uh, I had to, okay, <laughs> let's stay on track, Randy. I think if I'm trying to express an idea to someone, I speak almost in essay format. So what I would do instead of saying, that ball is red and I like that ball, I'd say, that ball is red and instead of yeah and i'd say that ball instead of just going directly to that ball is red i might say that but for some reason i feel like i need to give you three premise points three um topic sentences to support what i just said that the ball is red did that make any sense you see what i mean like it's i instead of just saying what i want to say i feel often I have to over-explain. That's the thing. Over-explain. And uh, so I've been pushing my mind to get better at that. Maybe that example that I gave just there wasn't the best, but I don't think it's necessary to over-explain. I think I can just say the thing. And But when I'm doing something a little bit more artistic or even when I'm preparing a teaching for fellowship or something... You want to flesh out ideas a little bit more? What do you guys think about that? Like if I'm telling a story, I used to hate those people who instead of saying, I went to a grocery store and I got eggs, but I was trying to get apple juice. Instead of just saying that, I will go on three different tangents of explaining how I ended up getting apple juice instead of the eggs. But I think the better way of telling the story would be like, hey, this is the story. I went to the supermarket. I was trying to get eggs 
I ended up getting apple juice. And then later you can work back and explain, oh, how did you end up getting the apple juice instead of the eggs? My brain is now for some reason going, I went, yeah, you, you I, don't, I don't have to explain it a gazillion times. <laughs> Even I'm getting sick and tired of it. But uh, I don't think it's really a negative thing. And it's something that I'm cogni cognizant of. So that's going to help me be able to correct it because I know I'm doing it and it's annoying me. So I'm assuming it would be annoying uh, other people. So it's something that I've, uh, I've already flagged in my mind. I've talked about this before too. I, um, I am a person who likes to be alone, but, and I don't like to necessarily open up and talk about things with people. So, as uh, someone in my position in terms of, uh, not position, I hate using the word position, but with my responsibility within uh, the church as a, as a minister, though, you do have to talk to people a lot and be involved a little more in their lives than your average person. So, I've, th this year, have been pushing myself to go out of my way and have those conversations and be involved and um, and get in there in terms of other people's lives, not in terms of being nosy, because I, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that on, on the receiving end, but just being there for people. So it's something I've uh, I've been working on. And uh, one way I've been working on that, though, is and, and it's difficult for me, but it's just to to extend myself by calling people more. There's people within my own comfortable circle, like there's people who I text often and people who I, like my mom, I'm comfortable talking to her on the phone, but a lot of people outside of that, I'm not comfortable uh, just reaching out and having casual conversations with. But this year I've been trying to make a habit of doing that with people who are in my fellowship because it's important. There's a lot of people, you know, who are experiencing difficulty because of the pandemic or who are living alone here in Quebec. We have a curfew. So if they're working from home or something like that, and then they don't really have the opportunity to live their life normally, uh, like go out and socialize and all these restrictions on their lives, it's important uh, for them to know that there's people there who care and who are interested. They have a genuine interest in their lives. So I've been working on extending myself and doing that a little bit more. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I guess with me, with almost anything in my life, anything that I want to improve upon or I'm uncomfortable with, I just continue doing it. I just do it. Just keep on doing it. Allow yourself to be uncomfortable and then allow yourself to grow. Even with this podcast, there's a lot of things with this podcast that's not yet at the quality that I want it to be in terms of even like the production quality or even my ability to host the podcast as a solo, solo podcast. But I'm very thankful for you guys who are listening and watching the process. And I'm sure you guys know some episodes you didn't enjoy in terms of like my content or you didn't enjoy in terms of my 
uh, ability, but you're also part of the journey of seeing it get better. So, and, and that's similar with a lot of things in life. Like even, like I said, with my learning to extend myself towards others, it's going to be clunky at times and I probably might not have the right things to say or I might feel uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera. But the more I do it, the better I will become. And then especially uh, spiritually as uh, someone who's doing this, not for myself, but doing this, um, I believe, for God, then it's God's responsibility to back me up in terms of me believing to do it. And then um, and then it's his responsibility. Obviously, I do the things that I control on my end, but his responsibility to help me, you know, so. It's just interesting to grow in that aspect. We talked about some... I, we didn't even talk about The Bachelor today. Bachelor, this episode that I just watched was pretty interesting. What was interesting about it? Hmm. I feel like... I feel like I'd be a much better Bachelor than the guy who's The Bachelor right now. There's things I don't like about him. Like, I think he's really... And I, I guess maybe this could be one of the things that the ladies on the show find endearing or attractive about him. But I think he's kind of a dork. He's really dorky. I don't know if I expressed this in a previous podcast, but I feel like he's kind of what an older white executive would imagine as a cool black guy in their head. But he's not what everyone else thinks is like a generally interesting black dude. He's like very just... Meh. Like, I don't find anything about him that compelling. In terms of a personality, he's just like any other... I guess there's the angle of him... They, there's Obviously, they play into the fact that he's a mixed-race man, a black man. And they kind of talk about him uh, ha- be, having been raised by a single mother. And then... He also works, I guess, with inner city kids. So I guess they they just painted him or he he's um he's kind of like your typical nice dude. But I think I I would be interested in a little bit more than just that. Oh he's he he's a caring person, yet like that's nice. But there's not anything super like, whoa, I've never seen that before about him. He's tall. <laughs> you know, he's like, I think he's like around 6'5". And then also when there's a lot of things going on in the house, like drama between these ladies or even certain things that happen, I don't like that he doesn't address it head on and doesn't really take a lot of definitive actions. I think he's too... He's maybe a little too too mellow about it I, I would like him to be a little bit more assertive so I'll give you a specific on on the episode that I just watched there was already like a bunch of women in the house I think 18 and the show has already been running for a few weeks so there's rose ceremonies and he's whittling it down to find the person he wants to be with and then as a plot twist what the producers did was right before he's supposed to whittle it down and eliminate some some more women they just brought in five new ladies into the house 
And that's supposed to stir up the drama, which it definitely did. A lot of the, the ladies got catty and not very nice. So that causes drama. And obviously they put him in a position that's awkward. And I don't think he addressed the situation that just happened well enough. Like it happened and he was like, well, he basically said, whoa, there's f there's five more girls and this is going to spice things up, blah, blah, blah. But I wish he would have actually like addressed their emotions a little bit better and the emotions of the five new girls and then also the emotions of the the girls who were already in the house specifically for the five new girls who just came the producers decided to make this a plot point they why no one should hate these girls they're just like you they just showed up a little bit later obviously that could be an unfair advantage or unfair disadvantage but that's not something you take out on the girls individually. And I think <laughs> if I was The Bachelor, not like I'm running to be The Bachelor, but if I was The Bachelor, I think that'd be something I'd address because I think it would help both sides to realize, hey, this is not anything they did, but we're in this situation. And then for the, I guess the girls who were already in the house, you probably also have to address, like, I'm not going to treat, I'm going to try my best to not treat you any differently because now there's these shiny new uh, characters to play with. You know, you just need to, I think it was something that could have been addressed to make both sides a little, bo a little bit more at ease. And it wasn't addressed at all. And that could have been a part of uh, what the producers wanted to create drama that, you know, make it an uncomfortable, toxic environment because that's why people tune in. So it could have just been the producers don't want the bachelors to do that sort of thing of like keeping the peace within the house. But uh, that's one of the things I didn't like. Like there's been other occasions too where I think he could have taken charge and maybe dealt with things a little bit better. But that's why in 2021, I should be the bachelor for Bachelor Canada. Because I'm good at these things. I don't know. I have some other things I want to talk about. But we're reaching the end of the podcast. I might save it for a future podcast. Let's see what happens, guys. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, sorry this podcast was a little bit later. But hopefully this was something you took something out of it. And it was interesting. Uh, not all these podcasts need to be the same. Which is something I like. Some of my podcasts, I'm like really going to be I'm really aiming to be humorous and then others I'm just you know just talking let's have a talk let's think about things well that's it for this week and uh enjoy the rest of your week and uh yeah see you next time